Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. We've been looking at influence through the kingdom of God perspective. I'm convinced God wants us to be influential. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. We're the light on the hill. We're not to be hidden. So your testimony is supposed to influence someone. Your lifestyle is supposed to influence by how we live. Let's look at this definition of influence one last time. I want you to see it because, again, I want you to see how this works. The capacity to have an effect on the character development or behavior of someone. So leave that there. The capacity. How do we do this? To have an effect on the character, the development, or the behavior of someone. But notice how this happens. Let's go to the rest of this definition. It's not the way that we would think. The act of causing an effect without force or direct command. So the real definition of influence is not what I force you to do. It's what I encourage you to do. It's not what I demand you to do. It's what you choose to do because of what's happening in my life. The real definition of influence then is not what happens to me. It's what happens through me. It's not about me. It's about something happening in my life that's changing the world around my life. Influence. There's something going on. There's something about the way we live. There's something about the presence of God in our life. There's something about the reality of Jesus that is impacting the people that are all around us. That's influence. So I want to look at that and say, well, Pastor, how does this affect today? This is Palm Sunday. This, this is Palm Sunday. This is the day Jesus triumphantly rode into Jerusalem. What about influence? Well, come on. <laughs> Can you, could there have been a greater day of influence? So let's break this down, Palm Sunday, in light of what we've been learning. I want to just say this to you, a couple of things. You know, we, we sometimes think God's on our calendar. We need to get on his calendar. Can somebody say amen to that? Now, for instance, have you ever thought about this? God doesn't do holidays. That's stuff we put on the calendar. You know, we like it because it's, it's Easter break. It's spring break. It's, it's this, it's that. God doesn't do holidays. You say, well, pastor, what are you saying? He does divine strategy and timing. So Palm Sunday, the Sunday he rode into Jerusalem, the, the, the beginning of the last day of his earthly life, the, the last week of his earthly life, this, this day we celebrate, what does it mean and, and what was going on? And again, how does that impact what we're doing today? So what I want you to see is that Palm Sunday is not just the Sunday before Easter. You, you, you know, uh, there's some people that aren't in church on Palm Sunday because, you know, they're going to come next Sunday. They can only go so many times. You know, and so for a lot of people, Palm Sunday uh, is just the Sunday before Easter. But if we look at today through the lens of God's strategy, if we look at today through the perspective of His purpose and timing, then what we begin to see is this. You ready? That this is not just the Sunday before Easter. It's the divine setup for Easter. Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, was the setup for everything that God would do in those next few days. See, today, I believe God wants to give us an encounter with truth that's so strong. It'll position us for the breakthrough He wants to give us next week. Now, I need to do something because you got to help me. And, and, and I really has, I should have done this before I've gotten this much into my message. Did, did everybody, has everybody got the little cloth you've got coming in? 
If you didn't get one, ushers, am my ushers ready? They just took the offering somewhere, didn't they? You're ready. If you didn't get one, I want you to put your hand up because I want everybody to get one of these right now, okay? It's all right. This isn't the altar call. I'm not tricking you, okay? Everybody put your hand up if you didn't get one. Help me, ushers. Let's make sure everybody gets one of these because you're going to help me preach this sermon. Come on. How many want to help me preach a little bit today? Come on. Look at the person next to you and say, preach, preacher. Come on. Help me out. Tell them. Say, preach, preacher. (laughs) Quit acting embarrassed. It's in there. You just don't know it. Okay, if you didn't get one of these, let me see your hand. Pastor Emilio in the front row, he's got to have one. Help me, ushers. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Let's thank God for our ushers today. Come on. Come on. Keep your hand up. They're going to get to you. So Palm Sunday was a divine setup for a resurrection breakthrough. How many are ready for a resurrection breakthrough in your life? Oh, yes. But you have to have Palm Sunday before you can have Easter Sunday. How many hear what I'm saying? In the timing and the plan of God, these aren't random holidays. They're connected events as he's moving your life into the next season. So I want to read about this. Let's go to Matthew 21 and verse 6. Matthew 21, verse 6. What happened on Palm Sunday? What happened with this triumphal entry? Let's begin here. Let's see what happens in the Word. Matthew 21, verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. Now look at this. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed. Remember, there, there were two crowds that converged on that day, all right? And, and, and when they got together, this is what began to happen. They whispered in a nice, reverent way. Oh, you don't have the religion Bible? You have the real Bible? What does it say? They what? Oh, yeah. So, so watch this. This is amazing. Here he comes riding in on the colt of a donkey. People are spreading their cloaks on the ground. Palm branches are being cut, waved and spread. And the people start shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So we, we, we see this amazing event, this, this interaction. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. The city was stirred, the whole city, and asked, who is this? I'm seeing some influence. What about you? I'm seeing some impact. All right, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, what were the conditions? I'm always fascinated about how God brings his plan together. I want you to make sure you get this moment. I want to make sure you understand what had happened to bring this explosion of influence to Jerusalem that day. See, we we read that, that the crowd that was following Jesus began to gather just on the eastern hill outside the eastern gate of Jerusalem in the vicinity of Bethany. You remember what had just happened in Bethany a few weeks before? Lazarus had been raised from the dead. 
After four days of death, he was raised to life. And the Bible tells us, reading, following up in John 11 and 12, that it had a tremendous impact. That people were being saved, that they were coming. In fact, look, look I have this for you. John 12, 9 and 11. This is what was happening. Why was Bethany the launching place? Uh, look at this. Uh, John 12, let me see, verses 9. Okay, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Next verse. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. You see what's happening? This thing's about to come to an explosion. Jesus did miracle after miracle. He raised a man that, from the dead that had been dead four days. And a crowd was coming. Priests were believing. And so look at this conflict. Some people are shouting Hosanna and praising God. And, and the religious leaders are plotting not only to kill Jesus. They say, we've got to kill Lazarus too. You know, it, it may not make much sense to kill a man that already been raised from the dead. He may not die until God says he's ready to die. Again, you understand what I'm saying? So you see this thing. So this crowd was building. I, I told you a moment ago, they were shouting about the miracles that they had seen. What was happening? Religion had completely failed them. It had completely failed them. They had moved away from, from, from the word of God pointing them to the Lord and had taken it over and had polluted his word with the traditions of men. It wasn't relationship. It wasn't what Jesus came to do. It had become an order of man's rules and regulations. And the people were hungry for reality. They were empty from the religion. Their politics had failed them. The politics were grinding in the ground. Man, I'm kind of seeing America today. The failure of politics and the emptiness of dead religion were causing people to say there has to be something more. And so, so they're coming to Jesus. By the thousands are coming to crowd. And then look at the timing of God. It's the Passover feast. And the city of Jerusalem is overflowing with, with religious pilgrims who've come, Jews from around the world. So <clears throat> Jerusalem is filled. And, and the, the crowd's coming with Jesus. And they're shouting Hosanna. And the people in the city hear this uproar. And they're saying, who is this? They said, that's Jesus. And so the crowd behind him and the crowd before him meet in this explosion of worship. The religious leaders are panicking. They're losing control. The devil is getting a migraine. Come on, somebody. It, it, see, see, it's breaking out of control. The presence of Jesus is exploding in influence. But here's what you've got to see. That's not where the triumphal entry began. The Mount of Olives, this is what, where we pick up in, in, in Matthew 21, was not the origin of that day. You have to take one step back if you're going to see what launched that day. And this is so exciting to me. We often fail to connect this. And when we do, we miss the opportunity of what one life can create. Are you ready? Let's see what really launched this. I want you to go to Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Mark 10 and verse 46. This was the event. This was the moment that carried the crowd with Jesus into the triumphal entry. He had been coming from Jericho to Bethany to the Mount of Olives to move into the city of Jerusalem for that final week. This is what launched everything I just described to you. 
Are you ready? Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Now remember, Jesus and his disciples are, are walking from Jericho to Jerusalem. This is the launch of the triumphal entry. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to whisper. (laughs) Some about shouters in this place today. Now, back in the old days, we used to have some people shout in church. Come on, anybody with me right now? But we've gotten so dignified and 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 petrified and 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 you know that that maybe we haven't been in the presence of God enough to give us something to shout about. Maybe we need a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we need to stop having church to please us and start having church to please God. Maybe we need some people that have been so overwhelmed with God that you just got to shout about it. Okay, I'm just suggesting, okay. So, so when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. And what did he say? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then everybody acted like they act in church today. They rebuked him and told him to be quiet. They said, hey, you're not on the program today. Who do you think you are? We've got the mayor attending today and he's going to be offended. Well... Hey, we, we've got some politicians in the house and they're going to get uneasy. We have some people that are religious and don't know relationship. And if you shout like that, somebody's going to get upset. You know, I've been in church lately and seen somebody shouting and praising God. It's so long since some, we've seen somebody set free and delivered. If somebody shouts and worships, somebody thinks it's a demon. We don't have enough discernment to know the spirit of God and the enemy. I'm trying not to preach before I'm there yet. So they rebuked him, said, you need to be quiet. You need to be quiet. You need to calm down. Jesus has an agenda. He's going someplace. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Something about a desperation. Come on. Somebody about desperation. He, he said, son of David. Woo, you're shouting today. Son of David, have mercy on me. I, look, I love this. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man. Cheer up. Now, look at those. Mm, 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 mm. I don't know about you, but that bothers me. They've just been telling him, be quiet. And then Jesus stops and now I was like, oh, okay, cheer up, cheer up. You fickle, little wishy-washy, seeker-sensitive. Be quiet, be quiet. Then Jesus stopped. Okay, cheer up, cheer up. Lord, have mercy. Flip-flop in 30 seconds. Can't Anyway, let's go. So, so I, 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 I just, okay, let me go. Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight. 
and follow Jesus along the road. And the next thing we read is the triumphal entry. The triumphal entry did not begin on the Mount of Olives. It began on the road from Jericho with a blind man named Bartimaeus. <laughs> we missed the whole thing. So, so, so what happened? I wanted you to see this. Look at this. This, this should thrill us. See, this plan, we read as we read the account in the Gospels about the triumphal entry had been prophesied by Scripture. The fact he would ride on a donkey was prophesied. The fact they would yell Hosanna was prophesied. Watch this. God had prophesied the event, but no man had planned it. God had prophesied something that the people of the day were completely unaware of. They thought it was a spontaneous reaction, but it was something God had been putting in place for centuries. But what you need to see, and this should fire you up, you ought to shout on this, is that everything God had prophesied and planned had to wait on one man. There had to be a catalyst. Somebody who cried out to God. Somebody who grabbed their moment while Jesus was coming by. Do you realize if there had not, you got to get this, been a Bartimaeus, there would have been no triumphal entry. If there had not been a Bartimaeus, there wouldn't have been a Palm Sunday if there hadn't been a Palm Sunday we wouldn't have an Easter Sunday but somebody recognized wait a minute wait a minute Jesus is close enough to hear me cry and the catalyst that launched the triumphal entry and still influences us today was a beggar a blind man a man who was restricted in everything that life had to offer he had physical restriction he had limitations on his life but you see he, he, began, he had been a beggar he was categorized his identity was limitation. His identity was less than enough. But when Jesus came by, he had enough insight. He had enough desperation. I, I, I wanted you to get this today, guys, that he began to cry out and no one could silence him. See, people will tell you, you better stay in your place. You better shut your mouth. You better just take life the way it is. And I'm here to tell you, when you've had enough of enough, when you stand up one day like Samantha Brannon and said, I'm not going to die a drug addict. I'm not going to live without hope. I'm not going to let you title me and stand up for the rest of my life in front of a room and say, hi, I'm Samantha. I'm an addict. There comes a day when you get desperate enough and you begin to say, oh God, I'm going to change see he heard Jesus was coming and he said I'm not going to settle for another day like this and this is what this thrills me it stopped Jesus in his tracks come on are you, are you telling me I'm telling you that Jesus would have walked on by because he was going to Jerusalem the gospel said he had set his face to Jerusalem. He was going to listen to me, listen to me. He was on his way to save the world but the desperate cry of one person stopped him in his tracks. See, it changed the whole agenda of the day. It rewrote the narrative of that day. It shifted the everything in Bartimaeus' life and everyone else because you see Bartimaeus knew this. he, he didn't know it But it was his last opportunity to ever encounter Jesus. 
He thought it was an opportunity. Listen, it was the last opportunity. Jesus would never walk that road again. He would never come out of Jerusalem again and go to Jericho. And this man, and sometimes you and I, are going to have to come to a place where we look at every opportunity, listen to me, like it's your last opportunity. Every opportunity may be my last opportunity. See, the influence of crying out. Does anybody see the influence of crying out? Does anybody see that? When you begin to cry out, when you get desperate enough that you don't care, and I'm not just talking about Sunday. I'm talking about on Monday in your prayer closet. I'm talking about in the midnight hour when your children are out and you don't know where they are. I'm talking about by yourself in a lonely moment when you begin to cry out and walk the floor. The Son of the living God will stop where He is and say, call them over here right now. See, the influence of faith that's the influence of crying out. Let's go back to the narrative here. I want you to see this, verse 49. So Jesus stopped and said, and i got to get my phone out and watch my time right here. Help me, Jesus. Don't, don't ag me on too much today. I might. All right. So let's go back to 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Watch this. Here it goes. Throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, now I've taught you this before, but I, but I need to remind you. Honey, I borrowed this and you didn't know it. Thank you. <laughs> so what did he do? He's a blind man. What's the significance of this thing? He had this cloak that he wore. And you have to understand that in that day and time, the cloak of a beggar was his license to beg. Under Roman rule, they were tired of all the beggars crowding the streets. And they began to have somewhat of a licensing, if you read the history of the day, for those allowed to beg. And so Bartimaeus' only way to survive was he had been qualified because of his blindness to beg. And they gave him a cloak. That was uniquely colored and, and designed so that when he asked for money, you instantly said, okay, he's, he's a real beggar. This is the real deal. So what you have to understand is that Bartimaeus' cloak was his only means of provision. Without his cloak, he was not going to eat another day. Without his cloak, there would be no financial support for him. Without his cloak, there was no protection for him. Without his cloak, they would tell him, leave this place, beggar. Get out of here. You can't beg here. Go, get away. He would be beaten. He would be malnourished. He would not have the means to sustain himself. The only thing he had to survive day after day was a beggar's cloak. In fact, these cloaks were highly prized because people that weren't really qualified by their handicap, if they could steal one or rob one or buy one, then they could do the same thing. And so these were coveted by lazy people. These were coveted by lying people. These were coveted by people that were, un, uh, you know, that, that didn't have enough something to use what God had given them. So, so, see, this was everything to him. But not only was it his provision and his protection, it was his identity. It, it had become to define him. But we read again in verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and ran to Jesus. See, he didn't hold on to it until he was healed. He threw it away the moment Jesus called him. 
the influence of his faith. You see, this man is down on the road begging, and they say, come to him. He takes this thing and says, I'm not going to need that anymore. And he begins to run into the presence of Jesus. You understand the impact of his faith. And, and the Bible says, I want you to get this. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I've got to mention this. And the, the, the close. See, what happened? The crowd began to shout. The crowd stood in awe. Everyone said, that's the blind man. I've seen him begging. I recognize the beggar's cloak he wears. And now he's seeing. The Bible says, what does he do? It said he received his sight and began to follow Jesus down the road. Can you imagine this large crowd? What happened in that moment? They're just saying, look at him. Look at him. That's Bartimaeus. They were overwhelmed. Faith exploded. Hope exploded. Can I tell you something? We talked about the influence of crying out. I'm telling you about the influence of his faith. But something we can't let the devil rob us as we go into this year is the influence of gathering together. For you see, there was a crowd that had gathered. Someone say gathered. They had come into a place. They were in together. And what happened? Because they were there, they saw the testimony. Because they were there, they sensed the faith. Because they were there, excitement began to grow. Is anybody with me? Do you see the impact of gathering? They began to travel together and worship together and explain what God was doing. See, see. let me tell you what the devil would like to do here. This is just a little parenthesis to help you. Look at Psalm 73, 16. This is what happens when we stay outside the house of God. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. David said, I couldn't understand why trouble was happening. While the bad guys were getting ahead, while the good guys weren't. I don't understand, but what did he do? Look at the next verse. We, we, is this, okay, there's, there's more to it. There's a verse 17. He says, until I went into your sanctuary. I didn't understand what's, listen, listen about gathering. He said, I didn't understand what's going on out there until I walked inside here. My life didn't make any sense out there. But when I got in here, anybody talking to me, I began to see what it's all about. I began to understand. Listen, the devil wants to cut you out and send you by yourself and separate you from the family of God. But there is the influence of gathering. Come, Somebody know what I'm saying. When we begin to gather together, look, here it is, till I enter. He said, I was distressed. I was troubled. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. There's going to be certain things I can't get on my own. But when I gather with the family of God, when I get back in the presence of other people that are worshiping, when I come under the influence of the word, oh, I get it. I get it. Has that ever happened to you? Has the devil tried to say, you don't need this, you don't need God, you don't need your church family? Come on. The next time the devil says, you, you say, nobody's called me, well, then you ought to call somebody. <laughs> Nobody visited me, go visit somebody. You know, the, the Holy Spirit, listen, when, you, when you're not in church, you get the wires crossed. See, the, the, the Lord's prompting you to go call somebody. But because you're not in the house of God, you get upset because nobody's called you. See, you misread the message. See, you're outside the house of God. It doesn't make any sense. You're all over here by yourself. All I can see is myself. See, I'm sitting over here like this. I'm just sitting over here by myself, all wrapped up in my clothes. 
Nobody loves me. Nobody knows who I am. I'm just a poor little beggar over by myself. Why, wow, you're a child of the Most High God. You're anointed. You're authorized. You're called. You're blessed. Well, the Holy Spirit's telling you somebody needs you, and you're going, I need somebody. So what you need to do is do what Bartimaeus said. I've worn this thing long enough. I'm not going to wear that anymore. I'm not going to live with that mentality. I'm not going to be isolated and separated. I'm going to gather with the house of God. So they go forward. They go forward. The word about Bartimaeus was spreading. They were telling everybody. They were talking about it. Come on, listen, listen, listen. You need to get your little cloth in your hand. There's a reason I gave it to you. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. Oh, we're going to have some church. Come on, worship team. You got to come real early today. See, so, so get your cloth. See, so here's what they're doing. As, as that crowd had gathered and they're walking into Jerusalem and they get to the top of the Mount of Olives and all the people that had seen the miracle in Bethany, they began to come out. And then they began shouting praises and all those people down in Jerusalem began to hear it and they came running out of the city. And those people kept coming with Bartimaeus and Jesus and they're saying, what's going on? What, what, what happened? Why is everybody so excited? Why are they praising God in their faith? They said, see that man over there? Yeah, he was blind. He was born blind. He was a beggar all of his life. And, and Jesus walked by and that man cried out. And Jesus healed him. There he is right there. Bartimaeus, is it true? Oh, it's true. And then everybody else that needed a miracle. Anybody need a miracle today? Come on, anybody hungry enough, desperate enough? Come on. So, so, so they said, you mean that man right there was healed? Yes. He was healed. He was blind. Yes, he was blind. And Jesus healed him. Well, well what did he do? Well, Jesus said, come. And he threw his coat. They, they threw his coat. Well, well I need a miracle. I, I, I need God to do something. Have you ever wondered why they put their coats on the ground that day? <laughs> You may have thought it was just to do something. I believe that the coats began to be laid on the ground because of the testimony of Bartimaeus. I believe those people began to say, I need a miracle. Well, if it worked for him, there you go. There's mine. And the next one said, why did he throw his coat? He said, because Bartimaeus did it and got healed. Well, I'm going to throw mine. And the next one said, why are they throwing their cloak? Because God did a miracle. Well, I'm going to throw mine. And it went up and down the road. And they began to throw them everywhere. In fact, you could couldn't see for cloaks flying in the air, air covering the ground. Why? Now I want to know today, do you need a miracle in the house right now? Does anybody need a miracle? Does anybody have a testimony? Does anybody say, God, you're not through with me yet? It's not over. I've been begging, but it's time to stand up. I've been afraid, but it's time to have a miracle. Can they have a testimony? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.